Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. If you spent any time last night enjoying going out to eat or having a drink in downtown Peoria, you might have seen an increased police presence along with it. This comes after a large fight in downtown Peoria last weekend and more than 40 shots being fired nearby. That led Peoria Police Chief Eric Echevarria to hold a news conference Friday afternoon outside the federal courthouse where a lot of the fighting has begun. He was joined by other community leaders in saying enough is enough. In this program, you'll hear from a number of those leaders, starting with Chief Echevarria himself. I've continued to say it has to stop, and now you see that I'm surrounded behind me by community members, community stakeholders that are saying the exact same thing, that this needs to stop, and we're here to support the police and what we need to do moving forward. Starting the night, we will have, if you look behind me, the group of officers that you see. We're not hiding anybody. I want you to see their faces. They're going to be out here. They're going to be out here early and into the early early morning hours. Right? If you want to come out here and patronize the bars and have a good time, you can meet them on good terms. But if you decide to come out here and violate the law, you're going to meet them on bad terms. All right? Please understand that. We are no longer going to accept this behavior, this activity, this criminality that we continue to see in this area. The bar owners don't want it, the city don't want it, the community doesn't want it. We have people that show up out here and are not even patronizing the establishments. We want people to show up to our city, patronize these great establishments that we have here, enjoy our hotels, enjoy the amenities that we have here in our city without feeling like they can't be out here because it's unsafe. We are going to take control of this area, and we're going to make sure that the community feels safe and welcome when they come here. Again, I remind you, please look at the officers that are out here. You can meet them on, on, on good terms. They're very nice officers, and they'll treat you with respect, and they'll say hi, and they'll greet you. But if you decide to violate the law, we're going to cite, and we're going to arrest on any possible charge we can. We're not going to accept this any longer and we're putting our foot down. With that, I'm gonna pass it off to our mayor. Thank you. Thank you, Chief Echevarria. I am in full support of the Chief's more aggressive strategy to reduce unruly crowds and unruly behavior in our downtown late at night, specifically over the weekends is when this is occurring. There are other city council members that have joined me today. Council member Grab is here. Council member Denise Jackson is here. Council member Euler is here. Have I missed anybody? The city council, if it needs to establish more ordinances, more regulations to tighten up this behavior, we will do that. What has been occurring is not reflective of an unsafe Peoria downtown. It is reflective of activities that have been occurring in one or two blocks of downtown very, very late at night, typically after midnight. Peoria's downtown remains safe for the most part, and we are not going to allow groups 
of disorderly individuals to change that. I want to thank the council members who have joined in this news conference. I want to thank Pastor Marvin Hightower and the Peoria NAACP branch for standing with police chief and the city on this issue. This is about keeping everyone in our community safe. I thank members of the Peoria Safety Network for standing with us on this issue today. They represent dozens of organizations and groups that work in alliance with the police and are committed to reduce crime, specifically gun violence in our community. I thank the police officers who have exer exercised tremendous tolerance with these large crowds who have not always returned the favor. Parents, if your children are under adult age, it is your responsibility to make sure they are not out in these streets late at night because that's where bad things are just waiting for them. Young adults, adults, if you're out here and you're violating city ordinances, drinking alcohol on the streets, smoking drugs, littering, shooting, fighting, carrying weapons, expect to be removed, expect to be arrested and or ticketed. The irresponsible behavior, the irresponsible behavior will not continue to be tolerated. At this point, I'd like to turn it over to Pastor Marvin Hightower, the president of the Peoria branch NAACP. Dr. Martin Luther King said, a riot is the language of the unheard. Now don't get it wrong, we are not in a riot. However, we are in a crisis just as the National Resource Network told us several years ago and the powers that were in place seemingly ignored it or just denied it. Now, I see it as a symptom and a problem issue. The data collected by the Racial Justice Equity Commission in that report, it shows us where the problem or the problems are at their root. The report shows us the disparities in the black community in child and youth development, in economic development and jobs, environment and climate, health and human services, quality housing, information and, and technology, the justice system where it seems like it's just us in the system, and transportation and mobility. Unfortunately, the symptoms are making the most noise and trying to divert attention from the problem. Now, when I saw the video from early Sunday morning after hearing everything good about the Park Palooza event, it was eye-opening and heartbreaking at the same time. Now, uh, let me say this, the symptom must be addressed. However, the NAACP is not in favor of over-policing but in favor of the safety of the community. The NAACP is not in favor of stop and frisk, but we are in favor of if you break the law, you will and must be held accountable. The NAACP is not in favor of the broken taillight theory 
but we are in favor of making sure innocent bystanders are not hit by stray bullets. Last but not, and certainly not least, it is not lost on me that there are many groups and individuals who are working in the trenches who are addressing both the problems and the symptoms, but they are being overshadowed by the crisis because the symptom is the language of the unheard. And as I've said in the past, it's not them and theirs, it's us and ours. No matter what zip code you, live in, you or I live in, we must stand together. More from a Friday Peoria Police press conference on recent downtown Peoria violence with more Week in Review coming up. More comments now from a number of community leaders Friday afternoon during a Peoria police-hosted press conference about violence a week ago in downtown Peoria and what has become a call since then by some to change the closing times to downtown bars to something earlier than 4 a.m., the latest most liquor licenses allow. But the issue right now is the violence itself. Here's Carl Cannon, the founder of Elite Community Outreach. This message that I offer is for those who aren't here. I want to start with where the chief started, data. And the number I'm going to use today is two. Chief said 47, I believe it was 40-something bullets went out everywhere. I'm talking about two. In 2011, eight-year-old Albert Billups was killed by one, eight years old. In 2019, one, four-year-old Jeremiah Ward. So the message for those who would do that has to be enough is enough. My name is Carl Cannon. CEO of Elite Community Outreach. For over 25 years, I've been working with young people and adults, some returning back from the community from incarceration. Today, my organization runs a safe school for middle school students that are making bad choices and subsequently are suspended or expelled from school. My team consists of many of those men and women that have spent time incarcerated. I'm saying all this to say everyone has the ability to make their own choices, good or bad, but they don't get to choose the consequences. I'm standing here today alongside the Peoria Police Chief, the Park Police Chief, our Mayor, the President, of the NAACP, as well as many other leaders from throughout our great community. Today, we are all reclaiming our streets here and our neighborhoods. We're not giving those up either. I know firsthand as a former prison guard the effects of bad choices. I've seen grown men and women who have lost their freedom break down once the realization of the consequences have hit. Even more imprinted in my mind is the families of the victims, the pain, the anger, the trauma. It's real. And do not think it's only the victim's family that goes through this, but every perpetrator of a crime 
has a family. They experience some of the same feelings. My message today is to tell individuals that think this can't happen to you, or if you're dumb enough to think you can handle it, you better ask somebody. You might start with this group right behind me. They're called Elite. They've been there, done that, regret that, and don't want to see somebody else go through that. I urge you today, if you're on that path, you're going to wind up in prison or death. I urge you to choose life. All of us standing here today are saying that enough is enough. We will not be silent and allow you to wreak havoc upon our community. Thank you. Hello, everyone. How you doing? I'm Antoine Banks, founder of Product of the Projects. And uh, this really sides my heart. I had a few words that I jotted down. So I say, first off, I'm not here to down talk or condemn anyone because I have been responsible for taking for com the community period in my life. But we have to have respect for ourselves and our community. We have to stop normalizing chaos and confusion and put put us be a part of the solution instead of being the problem. Begin to want what we want for our brother or sister what we want for ourselves. As a collective or village, we need to develop a sense of pride and govern those who step out of bounds by holding one another accountable for these actions. About a week ago, a relaxed fun environment turned into a war zone threatening safety of many. Life doesn't have a pause or a rewind button. This is not a game. We, we're better than this. Listen, we have to change this narrative. Our city of Peoria is evolving. We have the right leaders in place to achieve greatness, but we have to start doing our part. Youth, listen to me. We need to develop more leaders than followers. We are here to assist you in rebuilding and making this happen. Rebuilding community life is essential. Let's start today putting forth the effort needed. Change is possible and I'm living proof. So all of my, our leaders and constituents around are here for the youth. We're here for the community and we want to build this forward. We have to move forward stage to stage. So when you come to these good, all of these events and these things that's going around Peoria, let's be excited about it. But at the same time, let's give it common respect to everyone around so that we all go home safe, all right? And thank y'all for having us. Pastor Samuel Duran, pastor of, of Zion Baptist Church, a community stakeholder, proud pro participant of the Proud Safety Network uh, as well. And also I serve on the Pure City County Health Department board, also working to do the cure of violence. And I stand here in agreement with our mayor and uh, her leadership, our police chief and staff, and my president of NAACP, Pastor Hightower, and the stakeholders here to say, now is the time for us to make a change. Now is the time that we all buy in. This is not because it's not in my zip code. It's not in my neighborhood. You should not be concerned, but we should be concerned for the whole well-being of our community to know that 47 shots can go out within this community. If you're not familiar with this community, that there there's churches down here. There's a library down here. There's shelters for homeless children, unhoused people down here. There's food, there's uh, food pantries down here. And so we're going to cause ruckus and allow this to be done. We cannot support and be sustainable to serve those people in need. So I encourage this community that if you're not involved, get involved, find a way to get involved. All these stakeholders back here, you probably know some of them, ask them, what can you do to make a difference? What can you do to support our police chief, our mayor, our city council, your local NAACP, uh, POP, 
Project Revival, Brother Banks, and, and we want to make a difference within our community. So it's up to you. We can't do it alone. You can't just say it's their problem. It is our problem. This is our community. So I'm calling everybody to make that change now. Don't wait for tomorrow when you can do it today. Thank you so much. More from this Friday Peoria Police Press Conference on recent downtown Peoria violence coming up, including a man who helped found a local community organization that says he may have been just like a number of the people committing the violence at one point in his life, but he wants to help see that change. That's next on Week in Review. We continue bringing you most of a Peoria Police-hosted press conference from Friday afternoon, almost a week after downtown violence erupted, as many people were at downtown local bars or in the nearby hotels. One of the speakers was Jonathan Romain, co-founder of Art Incorporated. Almost 30 years ago, I actually opened up that work release center across the street. I was one of the first inmates in there. I spent the first half of my life doing everything wrong. And when I see what these young people are doing today, I have empathy for them. But I also understand that there is a level of responsibility that we all have to hold ourselves to. And I held myself to that when I realized that the things that I was doing was destroying my community. And once I realized that, I changed the things that I was doing. Today we opened up Art Inc. in an old school building where we work with hundreds of kids on a daily basis. And my priority, along with everybody here today, is those children. It is the safety of our community. And whoever threatens the safety of our community, regardless of the why, we all have to coalesce together and eliminate that threat. And sometimes it's going to be a hard choice that we have to make in our community because we live with this notion of not snitching. But if the choice comes down to one of our little kids being killed by one of these idiots, I will tell on him every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Because in reality, they cannot protect themselves. And it is going to require every ounce of strength and muscle and fiber in our body to protect the most vulnerable in our community. And so on any given day, I am going to choose them over the idiots who feel like they have a right to pull a gun out and shoot into a crowd of 200 people. That's just sicken every person in this community. I don't care who you are, where you live, or what you do. That's your, that's should. That should turn the stomach of every inmate in that work release center right now. Who are gonna protect the most vulnerable in our community? And what we're saying, and I speak for everybody here, is that we're gonna protect our community at all costs, whatever that takes. We'll go ahead and take a few questions, if there's any, to anybody that's here. I think parents should be held accountable. Like parents should be charged. You know, that, we we, we can't do that currently, right? Yeah. But I, I think there comes a point. We, we should have restorative measures for juveniles. We have juveniles that commit a one, uh, an offense. They're kids. They're juveniles. They commit offenses early. 
you know, that's one thing. But we got juveniles in this community who have 15 motor vehicle thefts, conspiracy to motor vehicle thefts, that are 12 and 11 years old, that are committing these crimes and continue to commit these crimes. Got one off the top of my head that's committed 12 of them this year alone, right? When do the parents get held accountable? It's a great question. Next. Uh, there were a couple ordinances alluded to here, right? The one that pushes up the closing time for bars, and then another one that, as you kind of mentioned, would make parents financially responsible for damage done by their kids. Do you think that has the potential to help out with this situation? Listen, the people that are showing up out here aren't patronizing these bars, right? The ones that are patronizing these bars are going in, and although they have a 4 a.m. license, that's not for me to deal with, right? That's a policy issue. They're not our problem. They're patronizing the bars. The bars have been doing a great job of dealing with the ones that are inside their bars. They have security measures in place. They have lighting. They have cameras. They work very well with us. We meet with them every year, multiple times a year. Our officers are in and out of the bars and talk to them. The problem that we have is the ones that show up out here, that want to have a party out here on the sidewalk and on the grass, bring their own liquor, smoke drugs out here, and have fights in the middle of the street. That's the problem. The other thing I'll ask very quickly is, you said a couple of times, we won't tolerate this anymore. What is the catalyst that made it a breaking point? Well, we haven't tolerated. Now, but we, what we have to do is now move personnel over, right? We, we have 201 officers. Now we have to move personnel from different shifts and create a team of officers that are going to be assigned out here directly to not leave this area, be down here. And it's not to over-police, right? That's not the answer. The point is when they come down here and they decide to act a fool, well, we're here to greet them. And we have a transport van with some air conditioning to take them somewhere, if that's the case. And we can relocate them. But if they come down here and act civilized and have a good time, even if they're just hanging out, that's okay. The fights, the drinking, the, the, the drugs, the guns aren't going to be tolerated. So we need to push some more efforts into the area. Chief, we've heard enough is enough before. What's got to be different or what's got to change this time around so, you know, we don't have to... I, I, th I think you just heard it. We're moving personnel over, right? And, 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 and the people that come down here, their behavior is going to dictate what we do. Their behavior is going to dictate our actions. Uh, Chief, obviously there's hundreds of people showing up, so you can only speak generally. But is it the same people every weekend? Are there ringleaders of these groups? And if there are known to the police department, are there proactive ways? I, I, can't, I can't speak to that. I think we have a wide variety of people that show up out here. Right? We have a wide demographic of people, a wide variety of people that show up out here. And we want people to come to our downtown. We want people to patronize the downtown. But we also want people to come to our local hotels and be able to look out and know it's a bar district and we're going to have some issues, but not like the issues we continue to see. We can't be out in the middle of the road fighting and we can't have shootings out here. Will, will members of that new auto task force be included in that detail down here? Yep, as that, as that auto, auto task force gets put together and implemented. We're still working through that, right? There'll, there'll, be, there'll be some activity from them on the stolen vehicle side of the house, yes. Are you concerned that you'll have a presence here, that the party, the instances, will just move to another part of town? Nope. I think uh, what we'll see is hopefully that th this is an area where they think they can just come and party. One big area. It's a bar district. Let's come out and hang out. If they do leave, we hope they go and they go in separate areas. If they're not, we have other officers that are still working the city. They'll be able to deal with that as well. Can I ask America a question? Um, so the chief just mentioned how the bars aren't necessarily the problem here. So then why have the ordinance that pushes the closing time? There's been no ordinance 
uh, recommended to push the closing. There was a discussion that took place by one or two council members that, that brought that idea up, but there's no ordinance that's been drafted uh, to shut down the time or reduce the time that the bars are open. The four o'clock licenses that have been uh, given are still in place. Uh, there's, there's no action that's in place to change that. What we want to change, we, don't, we are not trying to penalize the bars. What we're trying to do is change the behavior of the people. A couple city council meetings ago, there was discussion about how given state laws, there's not a lot the police can do about youth being held in custody, but it was brought up that maybe a local ordinance could be created where youth could be held in jail. Is that something that's been further explored by the city since that meeting? That's the only time other than, you know, sidebar conversations, uh, JJ, that we've you know, entertain that discussion. I want to answer to JJ as well. JJ, we're not talking about juveniles out here. What we're talking about are 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds out here who want to have a total disregard for life and the law. It's not the juveniles that are hanging out here. Yes, could you get a few scattered in here? Absolutely. But the majority of what we're seeing is young adults. Peoria Police Chief Eric Echevarria, Mayor Rita Ali, and other community leaders in a news conference from Friday afternoon in downtown Peoria near the Federal Building, where some of the fighting and some of the gunshots were fired late last Saturday night, causing increased police presence and increased community concerns. I wanted to bring you most of that press conference in its entirety so that you could hear the full message of the community leaders involved. We've heard a lot recently from Governor J.B. Pritzker in our programs visiting Peoria, signing various pieces of legislation, dealing with the state budget and other things. But a former governor went back to the Illinois Capitol this past week. Bruce Rauner, now a resident of Florida, returned to Springfield to see his portrait hang in the Hall of Governors at the state capitol. Here's some of what he had to say. In theory, we're gathered to look at this painting. And this is, it's a painting, it's, you know, oh well, it's not that, that big a deal. The real reason we wanted to do this, the real reason why I wanted to come, Diane and I wanted to come and be with you, is to say thank you. Is to say thank you to each and every one of you here today, to say thank you to every citizen, every voter, every child, every newcomer, every immigrant to the state of Illinois. Thank you for allowing Evelyn and I to serve you as public servants. It, thank you, and well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Public service is a noble calling. It's an, been an honor and a privilege, mostly a pleasure. Not every day, but mostly, mostly a pleasure. And uh, it's very fulfilling. You know, democracy only works if everybody gets involved. Everybody gets involved to try to make a difference. That's how democracy works. And it was a privilege and a pleasure for Evelyn and I to come together to work for you. And it was difficult. We had many challenges. I lost 22 pounds and most of my hair. And it was very stressful. My hair has not come back. It's continued to like run away. I've gained back most of the weight, so that's good. I don't have any stress in my life anymore, so it's been a little easier. And Diane and I have now had a little time to be uh, what we really love doing, and that's being grandparents. Best job in America is being grandparents. So we've traveled and our six kids live all over the United States. So we've been on the road spending time with our children and our dear, dear friends, some of whom are here with us today. Today's a very special day. Um, you know, this is a, this is a, it's a wonderful honor. We've had many terrific public servants and to be with them for, for a long time into the future, it, it, it means a lot to me. It's very humbling uh, it's a privilege and an honor. 
Some scallywags among us will say, well, no, it's like a post office, you know, with a wall of the most wanted or whatever. You know, this is, you know, most gentlemen hanging here did not go to prison. A few did. A few did. But most did not. And it's a, it, it's a, it, it is an honor and a, and, and a privilege to be here. Um, I, I, I will say that the, uh, the uh, painter is here today. So if you don't like it, don't boo. But, uh, but, but we're going we're gonna to give him a round of applause because I think he did a great job. So, yeah, Charles. Where, where is Charles? Where is Charles? Here. So Charles is standing over here. Charles, wait. Oh, Richard. Richard, Richard. Sorry, sorry. Richard. I, I, my best friend is Charles. Okay, so here we go. Can, we, can, can you, here we, you guys do the privilege? I don't want get, to. I'll get it wrong. Ready? One, two, three. Go. Yay! It's the sign of a great artist when he can make you look better in the painting than you do in real life. I didn't even ask him to do that, and I did not pay him a bonus to put hair back on my head. He did that on his own. He got no extra money for that. And and look at and you know it's 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 a. It's an honor. Former Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner, whose painting now hangs at the state capitol. More Week in Review coming up. The location of the former Moffat Cemetery in South Peoria is now a state historical site. The land at the corner of Adams and Griswold Streets is now known as Freedom and Remembrance Memorial Park. The park features flags on a pole and three plaques, one telling the history of the cemetery, one listing veterans from the Civil and Revolutionary Wars buried there, and one telling the backstory of Nance Leggins Costley, whom you've heard about recently, as being the first slave emancipated by Abraham Lincoln in 1841, who was a resident of the Peoria area. Peoria Mayor Rita Ali spoke at the dedication ceremony, saying the city's earliest neighbors are forgotten no more. Ali also apologized on behalf of the city for what she says was disrespect and dishonor of the actions at the site over the years, the city, for example, ordered the cemetery closed in 1905, leaving grass overgrown and gravestones damaged or removed. The site was rezoned at one point as a commercial area over the years under the belief that all who were buried at Moffat were moved. That turned out to not be the case, with 2,600 people still buried on the site to this day out of 2,700 who were buried there originally. Illinois Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton was in Peoria and was the ceremony's keynote speaker. And I will say in front of everyone, I will gladly be adopted as a Peorian. <laughs> I am Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton, she, her pronouns, and I want to thank you, Mayor Ali, for that warm introduction. And I also want to thank uh, Colleen. Did I see Colleen? Oh, there you are, Colleen. Thank you so much for your steadfast leadership at the Peoria Historical Society. Um, as the Lieutenant Governor and as Chair of the Military Economic Development Committee, it is indeed an honor to join you in Peoria to honor our past, to imagine our future, and pause in this present moment to reflect on what brings us here today and realize the significance of this occasion. 
Again, I want to just say to the city of Peoria's highly qualified mayor, Rita Ali, and the entire city council, thank you for making today possible. And I do want to say we have some incredible partners in the Illinois General Assembly, including leader Dave Kaler, who I think I saw in the audience. Thank you for serving and representing your district so well and our state so well. The Freedom and Remembrance Memorial is not only about honoring our ancestors as they have been laid to rest, it's also about honoring the lives they lived, the families they loved, and the doors they opened for all of us to live as our freest and truest selves. It's not lost on me that we gather just days away from celebrating Juneteenth, or as some refer to it as Freedom Day. And while today is about all of the diverse Peorians that are buried, that were buried in Moffat Cemetery, I do want to talk just a little bit, if that's okay, about Juneteenth, because history is important. See, there's not a day that goes by that I don't recollect that I am the descendant of enslaved people only four generations removed. There's not a day that goes by in my work to advance justice, equity, and opportunity for all Illinoisans that I don't reflect on the fact that those in my bloodline worked in the fields of Mississippi from sun up to sundown, brutalized, being separated from their children, forbidden from being able to learn how to read or write, and who spent all day, every day, working to build wealth for those who owned them as personal property. And I think about how they must have prayed for our freedom. There may have been days that they never imagined it for themselves, but they prayed for their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren and so many of us standing here today that we would one day be free that we would no longer be viewed as property, but as human beings who deserved safety and equality and prosperity and yes, freedom. Ancestors, like those buried in the old Moffat Cemetery who spent their lives working for, fighting for, and praying for a better future for all of us, deserve to be laid to rest with dignity and respect and memorialized in a way that demonstrates that they are not just the forgotten citizens of Peoria. They were mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers. They were somebody's sons and daughters and they were veterans and they were fully human and their humanity is what we are honoring today. Whether it was Nance Leggins Cosley, a formerly enslaved woman and abolitionist that lawyer Abraham Lincoln helped free in 1841, we will remember. Or the patriots who bravely served our country, like the Union soldiers who fought for our freedom in the Civil War including those who delivered the news of emancip emancipation in Galveston, Texas for that first Juneteenth, and other veterans who fought for all of us to be free, we will remember. Or the almost 2,600 everyday Peorians 
some with unmarked graves whose names we may never know. Well, my faith tells me that God knows who they are and knows them by name. And today we will remember. To everyone who organized and funded, volunteered and supported the creation of the Freedom and Remembrance Memorial, thank you. Today is not just about preserving history. Today is an act of justice. In some respects, it is a way of reclaiming the land, placing markers in the ground to say that these souls will no longer be ignored or overlooked or diminished. And as a community, you have come together here in Peoria to make it abundantly clear, we will tell their stories. We will commemorate this history and they are forgotten no more. Denise Jackson, council member. Thank you very much. Well, this is an exciting day and I, I, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge God and thank uh, him for the opportunity to be a part of this wonderful uh, event. Uh, I must say I was so excited uh, when I heard about this story uh, sometime about a year ago. But let me just back up again. Uh, thank you, Lieutenant Governor Stratton, for being here today. Uh, thank you, uh, all elected officials. Uh, blessings to each and every one of you. And most importantly, thank uh, Mr. Bob Hofer and his wife who were responsible for this project. This memorial is a testament to how cities, communities across this country are linked forever in history. We want residents all around this city and this state of Illinois to come and visit this site to learn about the contributions of the veterans and all of the other individuals who are buried here and um, the contributions they made behalf, on behalf of this great country. We will never, we'll never forget them. And once again, I'd like to thank Robert and his wife, Mrs. Evelyn Hofer, and your tremendous team for all of the work on this wonderful project. And today, as we celebrate the rebirth of Moffitt Cemetery. God bless you. Thank you all very much for coming today. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest Communications Station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in Central Illinois. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD Radio News.